Good afternoon, people. This is Giannis Woods at WRP coming at you with a very special guest today, the one and only Yolanda Robbins, future host of the Paris Property Chronicles, right here at WRP. Yolanda relocated to Paris in 2004, and she's going to be helping us understand the Paris market and understand herself as well. Okay, so shall we jump right into it, Yolanda? That sounds good to me, Eunice. Great. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you ended up here in Paris, where you were before, what your job was. Give it to us straight. I'll give it to you as straight as I can. Okay, so um, I relocated uh, to Paris in 2004. I previously worked in uh, investor relations for a a public company, and I decided to move to Paris after I was on a flight from Hong Kong to Newark, New Jersey, in 2001, uh, September 11th. So that kind of was the impetus for me to change my life and reinvent myself. It took some time, but once I did it, I relocated to Paris in January of 2004 as a student to learn French. And then um, the people who rented me my apartment, they were interested to develop a practice in real estate. And they said that I could come work with them. So uh, being the entrepreneur that I am, I said, okay. And I created a practice within this agency targeted at non-residents of France to purchase property in Paris as an investment. Okay. Um, So, yeah, that's an interesting um, transition. You came to Paris in 2004 to study French and wound up doing real estate. So how, how does one just fall into real estate? Are you, I mean, how did you get into that really? Well, I guess, as I said in um, my previous response, I am very entrepreneurial. So I identified the need and then created a, what we call a prestation de service. So anything from A to Z, but all related to property. So purchasing property, finding property, financing property, renovating property. And I have been doing that um, since 2005. In between that, I was also married to a general contractor who um, permitted me to uh, learn about renovating properties. So I also do renovations and follow renovations and project management. Okay. So um, you were in investor relations before. How has that helped you um, in real estate? What has helped me, in, especially in Paris uh, real estate, is how to help my clients identify what their expectations are from a financial perspective. Because at the end of the day, even when you buy a property in Paris because you love the city, you need it to be economically feasible at some point. So having that background gave me the opportunity to make the case to my clients that they should it's a good investment. It's always a good investment right. in Paris. So you've been doing that since 2004, right? And our, just, out of curiosity, I think it's great to have someone in Paris that can service, that can provide a service in real estate to English-speaking people because sometimes most of us don't really speak French and we're constantly looking for someone that can actually do all the heavy lifting in French, especially where real estate is concerned. Right. So now I I guess I can say that you are specialized in real estate. 
So let's talk about the Paris Property Chronicles. Okay. The Paris Property Chronicles I'm I'm very excited about. Um, And just to elaborate, my clients are French as well. Uh, I'll give you, for instance, I was at an auction recently for a French client um, to purchase a property because right now the inventory in Paris is extremely tight. So the, the market's very active. And these are one of, one of the topics that I intend to talk about on the show. So about how buying property in Paris is basically the principles of economics. There's always more people looking to buy property in Paris than there are properties available to purchase. Sounds pretty normal, actually, because Paris is actually a big city. I can assume that it's the same in London and New York. And just for my own, for my own knowledge, actually, how, how does Paris fare with these, uh, with these cities like New York, San Francisco, London, um, and the like? It changes from year to year. Uh, we have a lot of external factors that contribute to the property valuations in Paris, including London and Brexit, mm-hmm. which finally happened, uh, because before uh, all of the uncertainty related to Brexit, uh, London was one of the most expensive cities in which to purchase property. It may change again as the effects of Brexit start to take themselves and take, take, it's taken into account, and um, we know exactly what will happen. But Paris is a top 10 city, um, and but not, not the most expensive city. It's mm-hmm. still less expensive than New York and still less, less expensive than San Francisco, um, but uh, more expensive than Paris. Okay. Than, now, pardon me, than, than London. Sorry. Um, just also, you mentioned Brexit. So do you also work with properties um, outside of France or is it just basically a specialized Paris, Ile-de-France? Um, specialized the... In France, in not France. necessarily Ile-de-France, mm-hmm. but in France. In France, okay. I've, I've assisted clients who were interested to purchase property in Bretagne. I've assisted clients who were interested to purchase property in Toulouse. Um, so in France, but it's mostly targeted at Paris and inside the périphérique. Okay. So Yolanda, let me ask you, actually, with, with all of your experience um, since 2004, specialized in Paris, um, what would... What 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 is the um, the neighborhood, the arrondissement, which is the most pricey? The most expensive um, district in Paris is probably the sixth, the which, sixth. which encompasses um, Saint Germain de Prés near the Luxembourg Garden. So that that area, it's the most expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think after that is probably the seventh. Okay. Um, and then we start getting into the first four districts. Mm-hmm. So the the first, the second, the third, and the fourth. Uh, the third and the fourth being the Maché. The second, um, the first and second. Most of the first is is taken up by the Louvre. So there's not a lot of residential property. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, you go to the the second circle. So the eighth. Right. Um, so yes, that okay. that's the most expensive. And just just so our listeners understand, um, the first three arrondissements or quarters or neighborhoods, as we call them in in, um, in Paris, um, are the ones that are basically in the center of town, closest to um, Notre Dame, closest to Hotel de Ville, um, etc., closest to the, the the center of the the, the city, La, La Seine, etc. These are hot spots, actually. Yeah. So I have another question. This is a personal question. Let's just say I'm dreaming, of course. Right. I've got a budget of 
let's say close to 900,000, um, which includes renovations, can I get into the first four arrondissements of Paris? So let's talk about it this way from a different perspective. Okay. I'm going to reframe your question. Okay. I'm going to ask you about your lifestyle. Okay. Because you have to have a certain lifestyle that goes along with your budget and how you intend to use your apartment. Mm-hmm. Do you have a family? Are you single? Are I'm you single. I'm single. Okay. Um, do you intend to be single forever? No, I don't intend to be single forever. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I think everybody should be partnered yeah. up. <laughs> Um, do you mind doing renovations? Oh, if I got to do it myself, yes, I mind. But if I, if I have to pay for them, no, I don't mind actually. Okay. Do you mind walking up a flight of stairs like uh, six flights or? Well, actually I'm on, I'm on the sixth floor right now. I have a six floor walk up Uh and I don't like it. There's no elevator. I I don't like it. So no, that's not something that I would, um, that I would want to do. Okay. Um, so given all of that, are you interested to have guests come and stay with you? Yes, very much so. Okay. Very much so, so you would need l- at least a two-bedroom. Yeah, exactly, yes. Okay. So a two-bedroom in the first for 900,000 euros? Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough. Okay. All right. So what, what would you suggest? I would suggest going to areas that are just outside of the center of Paris, center of, the, of town. I center, mean, okay. Yeah. Right. So I would suggest maybe the 9th, the 11th, the 12th, mm-hmm. and you could probably get a nice two-bedroom apartment that needs some renovations within those areas, maybe 50 to 60 square meters, sometimes 75. So you would, su- you would suggest with, with, with my budget, um, the 9th, the 11th, the 12th, how about the 13th? Yeah, absolutely, the, the 13th. 13th. So just outside the inner circle of Paris, right. but not, not close to the periphery. You could also look in the 20th, okay. which is, seems kind of far, mm-hmm. but it's not that far from the center of Paris. Mm-hmm. It's actually walkable to yeah. the center of Paris, as opposed to the 16th, which is a huge district and very far geographically yeah. from the center of Paris. The same thing would be for the 15th. These districts are very big and very far from the center. And given our recent history with strikes mm. and transport and public transportation, mm. being somewhere where you can actually access the center of Paris is very important. Um, so staying within that second ring, as I call it, um, and having access to the center, I think, would be very helpful. So you could easily buy something in the 12th mm-hmm. um, near the Porte d'Orre or near uh, Michel Bizot or near Dominique or near the, the High Line. There's a High Line in Paris. Right. 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 That starts at the Bastille and goes all the way out to the uh, Bois de Vincennes. And along that area is a, is a fantastic place to look mm. for mm. a nice two-bedroom apartment within your budget. That, that actually sounds good because those um, those neighborhoods. I mean, in my in my mind, this is still Paris. So the twelfth, the ninth, the ninth is really nice. Um, I like the ninth very much. So yeah, that sounds like um, that sounds like a workable plan actually for anyone that thought that they had to be in the center and don't have the budget. There are still neighborhoods that keep you within Paris, and you have all the amenities. Like for instance, um, they've done the uh, the bike lanes for instance, right? Which makes it also a lot easier, I imagine, yeah? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, um, Paris is um, going to be called the, uh, the city of, of bikes because it has so many bike, bike lanes um, meant just for that because of our, our current mayor is interested to be environmentally friendly. 
and and minimize the number of vehicles and the number of of to reduce the carbon footprint mm-hmm. by um, by having more bikes and more bike lanes. Okay. All right. So you and I are both from the U.S., right? Um, what is what's, what's the biggest difference where real estate is concerned in the U.S. and France, other than the financial part, actually? Well, first, let me preface it by saying I was not in real estate in the U.S. I owned real estate okay. in the U.S., right. but I was not in the real estate industry. Mm-hmm. Um, in the U.S., based on my experience as a homeowner, mm-hmm. If you find something that you like, first of all, you can look in a system that's called the MLS, which is the Multiple Listing Service System, and you only have to work with one agent, and that agent has access to all of the properties that you're looking for. It doesn't work that way here in in Paris. Mm -hmm. You have to go to different agencies. Sometimes listings are at different prices. The owner themselves can list the the property at a different price. So the the regulations are different. So. That also is very cumbersome for people who are interested to look. The second part of it is I like to tell my clients it's better to focus on the location, which is the same principle as in the U.S. Right. So location is very key. And to focus on the building itself. Mm-hmm. If the building is in poor condition and the apartment is pristine, what that indicates to me that people in the co-ownership are not interested to invest mm. in their co-ownership. They're basically using their funds or usable towards their specific asset. But what they don't understand is at some point, the co-ownership will affect their asset. Very good if point. It's, if it's not maintained correctly. Very good point. Okay. Um, the third kind of leg to that stool is the amount of time that it takes from the time you see a property to closing in the U.S., that could be a, be a matter of weeks, months, n- not even a month. Mm-hmm. In Paris, when you see it, you make an offer. The offer is accepted. There's another probably another 20 to 30 days until you get to the initial sales agreement, which is called the promesse de vente mm-hmm. or the compromis de vente. After that, if you're getting a loan, it's another 45 to 60 days. Okay. Until the closing. Okay. So that puts us out to 60, 90 days. So the length of time is longer. Is there, is there a specific reason for that? Why, why is it, um, if I'm in America, I can just go and visit as I see, please, I can deal with the, the homeowner, et cetera. I don't actually have to go through, um, um, what do you call those, agents, an agent, or I can go through an agent, et cetera. It just seems more flexible. Is there a reason for the, the processes in, in France? One of the things that I think precludes us from getting to closing so quickly is the fact that banks and lending in France don't pre-approve. They pre-qualify. Ah, okay, yeah. They don't pre-approve. They say, okay, you have the capacity to borrow 600,000 euros, but they don't look at your dossier. They don't look at your... In- so once they, they say, come back to us when you've signed the, the promesse de vente. Once you sign the promesse de vente, then they start looking, they start scrubbing everything. They start looking at your health, if you're a smoker, how old you are, how much money you make, what other debts you have. In the U.S., we do all this before. Mm-hmm. So you go to make an offer and you say, I've been pre-approved. 
And you can go to closing within. Uh, yeah, that does make it easier. Within three weeks. It definitely makes it easier. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's understandable. Um, so just to get back to my case, actually, um, what, what, what would be the first tip you would give me, actually, um, when I'm looking for an apartment? Uh, what would you tell me to do first? What I tell you to do first is figure out where you want to be. Okay. What, what, you know, what location that makes sense with your budget. I would also go see a bank anyway, just to see what your capacity is to borrow. If mm-hmm. you intend to borrow money, um, it's always easier when you make an offer on a property, if you don't have to take out a loan, but if you're buying a property for a million euros, most likely you have to take out a loan. Okay. The second thing I would uh, tell you to do would be to look at, do you want a building that's an older building, or do you want a new construction? Do you mind having a building that's from the 60s or the 70s? So those are things to help you eliminate and target your search. Okay. And then after that, I would look at the common areas again. Look at the amenities. Does it have a concierge or gardienne? Is there an elevator? Um, and then after that, look at all the things that will cost money when you become the owner. If the facade is in poor condition, that's going to be an expensive mm. Um, uh, assessment when when it comes up. If there's no elevator, but the possibility for an elevator, that's also an expensive proposition. So those are the things that I would tell you to look at. And then you can fall in love with whatever property Mm -hmm. you're Mm -hmm. interested in. Okay. What else else can our um, our listening audience expect from um, the Paris Property Chronicles? Well, we, I expect to speak with people who have purchased property in Paris I expect to for our listeners to gain the benefit of their experience and the pitfalls of the process and not to uh, repeat um, some of the um, uh, mistakes that my clients um, have experienced before they've either come to me. I'll give you another story. I had a client recently who read a book. I won't name the book, but she said, you should give this book to every single person who contacts you, because they will understand the value of how you work and what service you provide, because this can happen. It's not very clear on how to purchase property in Paris. So we'll talk about purchasing property in Paris. We'll talk about renovating property in Paris, what that's like, what codes you have to respect, what approvals you have to get. Um, We'll talk about the legal aspects of property. We'll talk about the tax implications, the tax implications when you purchase a property, the tax implications while you're owning a property in Paris, and the tax implications when you decide to sell. Because if you're a resident or a non-resident, those implications are completely different. We'll talk a little bit about something that's been at the top of the news recently, property fraud. I was contacted by someone who was interested to rent a property, and she contacted me at the right moment. That property didn't even exist Hmm. So we'll talk. We'll dedicate a show specifically on property fraud. So this is one of the pitfalls that we'd want to avoid, actually. Et voilà. Yeah, you heard it here first, people. <laughs> Yolanda Robbins is going to. Is, she offers a personalized service um, to people looking to buy to purchase properties in uh, in France and who don't really understand the process because we are from. Elsewhere, uh, ailleurs, uh, as they would say in France. So the show is going to be very, very interesting for those of you looking to purchase properties in, in France and avoid all the pitfalls.
Well, that's a very right. good summary. I also want to um, say it's not only for people who don't speak French. It's for people who don't have the time because time mm. is money. Yeah. And if you don't have the time but you need to purchase a property, then this show will also help you do that as well because there will be access to providers who can assist you in making an informed decision about purchasing, financing, renovating, and potentially selling a property in Paris. And that's what the Paris Property Chronicles will be all about. Okay. Just one, just one last subject, actually. I've heard that it's um, actually quite difficult to get financing from banks if you want to, if you want to, um, to own a property or buy a property. Um, why is that? Well, this will be another hot topic on our show. I have um, relationships with banks and with mortgage brokers. And currently, the interest rates are close to 1% for mortgages, depending upon how long you want to um, obtain a mortgage. So I'll let that person who's going to come on the show, but to, in a nutshell, you can't borrow money over a certain age. You can, but the limit of the loan is tied to the length of your expected life. I'll give you, for instance, in the U.S., you can walk into a bank or, and you're 80 years old and you say, I want to get a 30-year mortgage. And they'll say, okay, as long as you have the capacity to repay the mortgage, they don't care. In France, it's completely different. So we'll find out how in one of my episodes. Oh, wow. That really sounds um, interesting. It sounds like a show that I'm definitely going to be listening to. Um, and any of you that are going to be purchasing properties in the future and uh, want to know specifically how things are um, for specific uh, topics, please tune in to the Paris Property Chronicles starting on the 11th of March at 12.30 and 8 o'clock. So I'm Yannis Woods with WRP, and my special guest was Yolanda Robbins. Thank you very much for coming in. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.